Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, that was good because, look, it has been a long week for me. And well, I was drained. I was drained. Amen. So I see by the looks and the shakes, I'm not the only one. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? God is still God. Right? He, he's still God. Jesus still reigns supreme. He's Lord. Right? And, um, yeah, he's faithful. He's faithful. Amen. And um, thank you all for pressing your way. You know, um, like I said, it's been a long week. <laughs> right? But God is faithful. Um, you know, thank glory to God that uh, Marshall made it South Carolina safely. Amen. Amen. I assume she's in the house because I think when she got there, her, her mother wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, so that's the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm assuming she's in the house now. Amen. <laughs> All right, so we're going to dig into this word. You know, um, I was going to continue on the true vine, and we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Um, um, briefly, we'll, we'll, actually, some of this may tie into this. Um, you know, I, I mentioned a while back that I get videos and stuff sent to me, and um, somebody sent me a video, and immediately, based on who it was, I wasn't going to watch it. But based on who sent it to me, I said, I'll, I'll watch it. Um, because it was a young person that sent it to me, and um, you know they're seeking the Lord. They're seeking the Lord, right? So, anyway, so it, it took me probably, of course, maybe two or three days to get through it. Um, I'm not gonna lie; as I was listening to it, I felt like I wanted to throw up. <laughs> um, and, and they were teaching about one of Jesus' parables, and. Um, I wasn't going to say, but I guess I'll say because if they do see this video, they'll, they'll figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, it's about the weeks and the tears. And the person that, I'm not going to say who the preacher was, but um, the, the person who was ministering it just twisted the whole parable around, right? Um, you know, you, we have different types of preaching and things like that. So, you know, we may have um, what's called topical preaching where you may pick a topic. And, you may, you know, even like when Mar Marsha spoke at the women's conference, it was on the last day. So both messages she had to bring and the other speaker had to bring had to be on the last days. Right. So there's nothing wrong with that. And you may have uh, an allegorical message, which may be a fictional or symbolic way to springboard the scriptures and things like that and you have textual where you may just pick out a verse and break down that verse and things like that you know um and i would say here i'm probably more of an expository type preacher because uh as you can see sometimes it could take us a little while a few weeks to get through certain topics and lessons and the reason for that so an example of that is when i said we were going to go to ephesians to finish up i am true vine how I was breaking down um, the city of Ephesus, right? And then we'll, we'll touch on a little bit more of Ephesus because I didn't get to everything. But, you know, it helps us to understand what Paul was writing, right? And even Timothy, because when Paul wrote Timothy, Timothy was in Ephesus, right? So all of that helps us in that. But before we get there, you know, I mean, I, well, we all know this, but we can't manipulate the scriptures. Right. We can't manipulate the scriptures. Um, 
and, and nothing's wrong with any style of, of preaching or anything like that, but it can be a problem if we end up manipulating the scripture in an effort to tickle ears, right? Now, what, like I said, I wanted to throw up when I was listening to it, but what broke my heart, I think I arrived somewhere, might have been home or at work or something like that, but I started looking at it to seeing the people shout and everything, and all I could think of in my heart was like, they, they don't know, they don't understand, which is why we have to read the word for ourselves, and we have to know the word, because, you know, I said a while back, now I can literally tell when there's junk being put out, right? And we, we, we should know the scripture so much where, you know, not to say you may know the chapter and verse, but when somebody begins to read a book without even looking at it, you recognize, okay, that's Matthew, that's Luke, um, that's Ephesians. I think we all, for the most part, would recognize Revelations, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, the, you know, but that's how much we should be in our Bibles and, and learn it. And when and we got to be careful because when we manipulate the word, what we do is we become like the enemy. And because that's what he was doing with Jesus. Right. He was trying to get Jesus. Um, let, let's turn to Luke four. Let's turn to Luke four. And we're not going to read all the uh, temptations. I just want to read the uh, the first one. And the reason why, because Jesus says something significant. Well, everything Jesus said was significant, but this stood out in reference to what I was listening to. You know, because we, you know, we, we recognize in the world there is lacking a fear of God. But what's even scarier is a fear of God, a lack of, you know, fear God when it comes to the church because the fact that um, you can get up there and you I'm pretty sure this person knew um, some people don't know but this person knew meaning the preacher who I'm talking about knew that he was manipulating the word and then I, I was waiting for it because somehow it got to offering and giving and sowing seed <laughs> and everything like that but we got we got to be careful alright so let's look at Luke 4 verse 3 Okay, we'll look at uh, three and four. All right, so, and the devil said to him, if you, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. So right there, that word if, right? That, he's trying to get Jesus to doubt or show himself, right? So what he's trying to do in all three of these temptations, um, he's coming at Jesus in a, in a way of lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, right? And we got to be careful that we don't fall victim to that. Not only as teachers or preachers of the gospel, but when we hear it, right? Because so he's influencing Jesus here. Basically, he's trying to tell Jesus, prove that you are the son of God, right? So, and the answer right here is really the lust of the flesh because he's trying to get him to turn to, obviously Jesus is hungry here, and he's trying to get Jesus to turn the stone into bread. Jesus could do that. Right? Because Jesus is Lord. He's God. He could do that. Right? So he actually wants Jesus to fall into pride and get out of character. Right? And we have to be careful of that. So we have to understand and know the scriptures for ourselves so we don't get out of character. Right? We can't get in pride. And I talked about it a couple weeks ago that any one of us are capable of going into pride very easily. 
right? It, it doesn't matter how talkative we are or how quiet we are. We are all capable of going in pride. Now, let's look at what Jesus says. Verse 4. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall what? Not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word of God. Right? Every word of God. So, we know physically we need food to survive. Right? Jesus at this point fasting 40 days. Right? We know we need food to survive, but guess what? We can go, well, depending on the sex of the person, the age, and the shape they're in, we can go a couple months without food and still live. We can't go a couple of months without the word and still survive as believers. Right? We, so we, we have to be careful of that. That, that. So, you know, it's interesting. God has given us his word. Right? He's given us his word from Genesis to Revelation. But many believers don't read the word. Right? For whatever reason, you know, we, we like to watch videos to help us understand the word. Or, well, not understand the word, but as a substitution for reading the word. Right? Or we can just get into just worshiping or just praying and not read the word. It's vital for us as disciples of Christ that we read the word. Right? Because if we don't know the word, then how can we reflect the character of Christ? Right? Because if we don't know the word, now we can get a little bit of the world in us. Right? Or... If we just say, well, I'm not going to focus on the world. I'm not going to read my Bible. But I still had the Holy Spirit to guide me. But the scriptures say what? Holy Spirit's going to bring, in remember, bring us into remembrance of what? The word. Right. right? So we have to know the word and understand the word for ourselves. Right? So Jesus here says he, he's, he's letting. Um, he's not debating with the enemy. <laughs> right? He's not debating with Satan. But he's giving him the word. Right. So Phil mentioned, I think it was on Wednesday about sanctification uh, being a process. That was Wednesday, right? You mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. So he mentioned on Wednesday about sanctification. Right. But how are we going to get there without the word if we don't know the word? Right. Because let me ask you this. Who was the New Testament letters written to? It wasn't to the world. It was to the church. That's right. It was to the church. Right. So when he talks about sanctification, holiness, being set apart or even faith, it's written to the church, not the world. See, sometimes if we're not careful, what we try to do is say, well, this part is not for me. <laughs> this part is not for me. But let's let's turn to uh, Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, I already know Luke's there because he got the phone. So, <laughs> are we there? <laughs> Actually, hold on. Let me. Uh, I'm there, but I wanted to. Uh, I think there's a little bit I want to read before that. All right, I'll start at verse 10. I mainly want to focus this 16, 17. All right, but you have carefully followed what? My doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, 
perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. So let's stop right there. So a lot of this here don't seem to be good, right? A lot of this don't seem to be good. But he's telling, he's telling Timothy, hey, you have followed me. Right? You have followed my doctrine. Now, what I notice here when you read this, because we, we, we hear the messages in the church today, especially from the televangelists, Paul doesn't say, you have followed my riches. Right? He doesn't say, you have followed my big house. Right? They didn't have cars back then. Or you didn't follow my chariots. No. Some of the things he said there make it seem like, hey, we're going to go through some stuff. Right? So let's keep going. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will what? Suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow what? Worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So evil men, even in these last days, evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse. Right? Now watch this. This ain't just talking about those false teachers and things like that, but it's talking about those in the natural world, such as politicians. They're growing worse and worse. Doesn't mean that they're all bad, but they're manipulating things, right? All right, so let's keep going. Verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to what? Make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All right, verse 16. All scripture. Now I know we all have different translations here. Anything anybody else have a translation that says something else besides all scripture? <laughs> Highly unlikely. Because if it does, we're gonna throw it out. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> because there is one translation, that's the one I tell y'all to stay away from. All right. All scripture. So that doesn't just mean the scriptures that appeal to us. That doesn't just mean the scriptures that talk about blessings. That doesn't just mean, watch this, the Gospel of John, or the Gospel of Luke, or Acts. That's all scriptures from what? Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1 and 1, all the way to what? Revelation 22 and 21. From the beginning to the end. That's all scriptures. Right? So we cannot cherry pick what we want to. And then guess what? You know what else that includes? Leviticus. Right? I'm, a lot of us haven't read Leviticus. Right? But there's some good stuff in there. There's some good stuff, especially in dealing with sanctification and holiness. Right? Or Hebrews, right? Because we got to read more about Hebrews than just Hebrews 11 and some of Hebrews 10. <laughs> right? So it's all scriptures. Right? It's given by inspiration of God. That means it is inspired by God. So these writers, these, these authors, these letters that we read about, they were inspired by God. They were God breathed. Right? They didn't just write just to be writing and say, hey, this is my revelation. No. They wrote as they were inspired by God. Now, they wrote in their own personality, which is why we can detect, hey, Paul wrote this when we hear it. This sounds like something Paul will write. Right? Or this sounds like something Jude will write. Which is often a book that we forget to read. Because this is just one chapter. Alright, so let's keep going. Is given by inspiration of God and is what? Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, so let's break some of these words down. And is profitable for doctrine. Right, so that word profitable means advantageous, beneficial, helpful. So, we don't just come up with our own doctrine. The doctrine has to fit, has to have the scriptures in it. So, we have to understand that. Right, so we don't come up with man-made doctrine. No, it should be backed up by the word of God. Amen. Right, so this is part of the problem that the religious leaders had. They were making up their own stuff. And it wasn't backed up by anything. It wasn't backed up by the scriptures. It wasn't backed up by the law. Let's keep going. Alright? For reproof. For reproof. Reproof means evidence. Evidence. That's what that word means. Evidence. So let's break that down real quick. So let me give you an example of that. We're all familiar with Stephen getting stoned in Acts? Okay. Before he got stoned, what was he doing? He was giving them, giving them a whole timeline of how they rejected the Lord and everything, how they were always a stiff-necked people. He was giving them evidence. And guess what? Because he gave them evidence, what they do? Stone them. Right? So sometimes when we speak the truth, other people, meaning believers, may not want to hear it because they want their blessing now. But guess what? It's like I said, I think I said it Wednesday or I can't remember when I said it, but we think that the blessing is just getting something material, but the blessing is the fact that we're born again. Right? right? Because we're not living for this time. Right? These are the things that we have to understand. But the church today, especially televangelists, right? They teach to live for now. The here and now. Right? But No. That's not what, how Stephen was living. That's not how Paul was living. That's not how Jesus was doing. Alright, so let's keep going. Alright, for correction. So we're all familiar with the word correction. Right? Usually you make a mistake, you bring correction. But this is what that word correction means in the Greek. It means improvement. Right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's wrong. So let's go and look at example of, where's I going to go? Uh, Acts. Acts. Hold on, I'm going to think of the chapter. Acts uh, 18. 18, 18, I think it's 18. I'm not sure if that's chapter because I'm going out of my head, not my notes. All right, 18, 18, verse 24. 18, 24. So remember what I said, correction means improvement. So it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody can be completely wrong in something. Right? So, we there? Alright, so we have Apollos here. Right? So, a little bit of background, quick background here, because I was going to get into this with my message anyway. We know that Paul traveled to Ephesus, and we talked about before how they wanted Paul to stay there, but he couldn't stay because he was trying to get to Jerusalem. Right? He was trying to get to a feast in Jerusalem, so what he did, he traveled with Priscilla and Aquila and he left them there. Right? So now Priscilla and Aquila can strengthen some of the believers. Right? But not only that, they come across another believer named Apollos. Right? And, and Apollos is like the exact opposite of me. Apollos is kind of bold and boisterous. Right? 
So when we think of apologetics today, Apollos will be right there <laughs> on the front line, knowing scripture. So let's read a little bit about Apollos and let's learn about a little bit about correction, meaning improvement. All right, verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. So we recognize right there he's a, he's a believer, right? So this man had been instructed in what? The way of the Lord. Being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only what? The baptism of John. So he had a knowledge of the Lord, teaching about the Lord, but guess what? He only knew about the baptism of John. 26. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Right? So remember, Paul would go to the synagogue. Paul would teach in the synagogue. Now Apollos is there. Right? Apollos is mentioned by Paul a few times in, his, in the New Testament, in his letters. But while Paul was going there in the synagogues and he would teach, Apollos was in there speaking boldly. Right? Because he was somebody that would go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they did what? They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So, he was accurate because it says earlier that 25. He taught things, he taught accurately the things of the Lord. But Aquila and Priscilla explained to him more accurately. Right? So, it doesn't mean he was a false teacher. He just didn't understand some things or had knowledge of things. But because of the character that Apollos had, he humbled himself. Because, guess what? He was confident. He was boisterous. He was educated. That's how I was describing him at the beginning. He was actually educated. Now, sometimes we can find ourselves, we ever thought, any of us ever experienced, you don't have to raise your hands. I'll raise mine. <laughs> That where you thought you knew something about the scriptures and you went years understanding about the scriptures, then later on you find out, oh, I didn't quite understand that as I thought I did. Right? So we have to submit ourselves to that, right? We 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 may submit ourselves right away and say, okay, I'll take it. Or we may do a little research, which is what we should do, to see if what we're being taught is correct. Right? But sometimes <laughs> we can also become what? Prideful. Nah, I know this means this. I know this means you can't tell me nothing. I know this means this because Bishop so-and-so taught this and Bishop so-and-so has 10,000 people in this church. Well, guess what? It might be slightly accurate or it may be accurate, but there is more accuracy sometimes, right? So we recognize that what? The Holy Spirit is God, Right? We got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right? That is accurate. Right? So, but the scriptures doesn't tell us to worship the Holy Spirit. But we see Christians do it all the time. Right? Because Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, Holy Spirit is coming to glorify him. That's right. Right? So, not necessarily that it's wrong that you can't do this because he's God, but it's more accurate to say, hey, this is what the role of the Holy Spirit is. This is why we have to understand and read the scriptures. All right, so let's go back to uh, 2 Timothy. 
chapter 3. Sorry, I should have told you to keep your fingers there. All right, we there? All right, 2 Timothy 3. Uh, let's see. We break for correction. For instruction in righteousness. For instruction in righteousness. So we just talked about being accurate and then being more accurate, right? Instruction in righteousness. So we hear often righteousness is what? Right standing, right? Right standing with God. So let's go a little bit deeper on what that word means. Right way of living, correctness of thinking, feeling, condition acceptable to God. So once we get to Ephesians, we're going to see why it's important on how we think and why we, we, we understand why sinners sin, but it also starts in the mind. And we're going to see that in Ephesians. We probably won't get there today, but we'll see. Right? But this is what causes Christians to be carnal. They're thinking sometimes, right? So it's not wrong just to say righteousness is right standing with God, but it's more accurate to say right way. See, when we just say right standing with God, sometimes. I've, I've heard it myself. That kind of still gives people a license to sin. Right? So we have to be careful of that. Because we know we're supposed to be sanctified. We're supposed to be holy. We're supposed to be set apart. And again, the New Testament letters was written to who? The church. Right? The church. And each time we read the, the, the letters, they're, they're separating the old man from the new man. Right? Because as we're born again... We're no longer operating out of the old man, right? But we have to understand the word, right? Initially, we know when we get saved, you know, the Holy Spirit is there. He's cleaning us up. But we still have to read. We still have to learn, right? And then he will help us to be able to expound and have understanding of those things. Amen. So why is all that important? Because in verse 17, that the man of God may be complete. That word complete means fitted. Fitted to do good work. Right. So if we don't understand these things. Now we, we start to struggle sometimes. We start to struggle with our, our, our thoughts and things like that. All right. So I just want to touch on that based on what I what, what I saw. So you, you may be wondering why we're still continuing on. I am the true vine. And, and, and um, I think I touched on it because John 15 says what that. When we bear much fruit, it brings glory to the Father, right? Just like with a natural tree, tree, it starts with what planted seeds. The word has to be planted in us to, in order for us to bear much fruit. So, just like we, you know, we're in our well, we didn't meet last week, but the week before, um, when I talked about developing patience, right? We, we we have to go through trials. That's the fruit that we have to go through some stuff to develop that patience but we go through it by faith right and it's not always easy on our flesh but for somebody a believer that does not understand that or have knowledge of that then they may struggle or they may just like I talked about fall back and just give up and quit on the things of the Lord not realizing that that's God's purpose right we don't we don't we don't take shortcuts and sometimes we look for the the ease, the path of least resistance Sometimes, right? We we probably all gone through hardships. I'm, I'm pretty confident we all gone through hardships. Because if, if you haven't, then I want to know the secret to your success. <laughs> so please speak up now. <laughs> so we all gone through hardships, 
right? And, and we, we, we still got to go through, but it's developing patience in us. God allows it to happen. Same way Jesus was hungry and in the wilderness, right? He could have turned the stone into bread, but for your sake and mine, he didn't, right? He could have called his angels, right? When he was on the cross, he could have called his angels to rescue, but he did. Why? For us, right? Now, today, modern church would say, no, I'm going to call my angels and they're going to get you, <laughs> Right? But no, we can't, we can't be like that. We have to operate in humility. And see, the thing is, most religions are going to tell you, you have to do this, this, and this, and this to obtain the blessing to get to God. We can't earn it. It's already been paid for. That's right. It's already been paid for. And it, these are things that we have to remember. It's been paid for. So there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Amen. But once we come... Once we become saved, now we do what? We start to walk in the new man, right? The new man. That, that's what we have to walk in. And unfortunately, and, and that's what breaks my heart sometimes because I see Christians, they're not walking in the new man. They're still walking as if they were still in the world, right? And, and that should not be. So let's turn to Ephesians 2. And I just want to read this. Should be a familiar text to some of us. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace. By grace, we have been saved. Right. Verse six and raised up, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the what gift of God, a gift that is freely given to us. Nothing again, nothing we have to do to earn it. Right. But it's a heart change that has to take place, right? Verse 9, not of works. Why? Lest anyone should boast. Now think about the works that some people do in the church today. We start to boast about it. Look what I did. Right? Or we start to post, post it. Right? No? Because the posting, I talked about it before, the posting that we do, the likes, that's, that's your reward. That's your reward right there. All right? Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right? So as we become born again Christians now, we're doing good works. We're, we're, we're doing good works. And guess what? People should, be, should see a change in us. Doesn't mean they're all going to accept it. Right? So when I got saved, some family members just didn't want to accept it, but that's okay. That's okay. Because guess what? I went from family this size to family this size. <laughs> right? That's what we have to remember. Because sometimes we, 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 we get so caught up in our biological family, we forget. 
We got hundreds of thousands of millions of brothers and sisters all around the world. Some of them are praying for us right now. Right? And we should be praying for them too. So, in the new life in Jesus, old things are passed away. Feel ready to say, I think. Did you read that? Did you go to that verse 17? 2 Corinthians 5, 17? No. No. I started right after that. Okay. All right. So, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 is one of my favorite scriptures. Right? It's one of the first scriptures I memorized. All right. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, not some, but all things have become new. Right? So when somebody tries to remind me of the stuff that I used to do before I came to Christ, I don't need to remember that. Why? Because I'm a new creation. And I walk into what? The new man. Again, doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Right? But we should be walking in the new man. Not the old man. Now, again, it's like I talked about a couple weeks ago. Our old nature is not dead. If we're not careful, we're not spending time with the Lord, if we're Run around doing things in the world constantly. That old nature starts to creep back up. Yes. That's right. And then guess what we got to do? We got to crucify it again. Amen. Punch those ten stakes down. Right? Nope. 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 I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. Right? So we got to do what we have to do. <laughs> right? To, to, to keep from entering into things that the Lord does not want us to go into. Right? So this is why Paul talks about even, you know, and we'll get there. Paul talks about not doing the things that the Gentiles did. Right? Because now, in the Old Testament, you had, you had two types of people. Jews or Gentiles. Right? Jews or Gentiles. So, all this division we have about this race, this race, racism, is Jews or Gentiles. Now, in the New Testament, we have the church. Which is what? Jews and Gentiles together. Right? That's the three classes of people in the Bible. Jews, Gentiles, and the believers. Right? So we can't get caught up in what the world says. Right? Because now as we come into Christ, we become one. Amen. We become one with Him. And guess what? One with each other. Right? So one of us is the arm. One of us is the leg. One of us is the foot. One of us is toes, the hands, and things like that. But we work together. As a body of believers, but the world will tell us to be separated. Right? The world will tell us to be separated. But we don't do that. Right? We, we come together and we love. So, even when we go into a church we've never been to, we should feel at home. Amen. We should feel at home. Providing they're teaching the gospel. Right? Because, I, you know, even after being a neighbor, I've been to a lot of churches. I told you before, every time I make it a point, I make it a point. Every time I make it a point. Every time I travel, I make it a point to visit a church. All right. A lot of them I do feel at home. They, they take me in and they just treat me like I've been there for years. Not all of them. Right? And not to say that, you know, they were standoffish, but some just were more open than others. Right? But that's how we should be. And even when we come across another believer in the world, that's how we should be with them, right? We should be able to conversate about the world. I mean, the world, the word, <laughs> the word. Amen. <laughs> Must be telling me to wind down there. 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. So, you know, living out this new man, it takes faith, obedience, and the Holy Spirit. Right? That's how we live out this new man. And, you know, and, and the thing about it is, it's more of an indictment on us in the New Testament because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside. We have God on the inside. We have God on the inside. So, what is going to look like in judgment time when you have people who are going to church but then still doing wrong? Right? So, how do they stand before Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel? Man, you got God on the inside of you. <laughs> right? So when we do, we, we, when, so because God's on the inside, each time we do wrong, they, see, sometimes we can do wrong out of ignorance, and sometimes we can do it on purpose. But it's still God's mercy that will protect us. But when we do it out of ignorance and we're knowing, now we recognize his mercy a little bit more compared to somebody that uh, may have done it on purpose. Right? Because his mercy is there upon us. Alright, so in the Old Testament, they have faith and obedience. See, sometimes we know people like Moses, Abraham, Daniel, they operate in faith and obedience. But sometimes people had faith and guess what? No obedience. Alright, we're all familiar with Korah in Numbers? Well, he had faith in God. Right? Because he wanted to be in charge. <laughs> right? He wanted to be in charge. But guess what? He wasn't obedient because he wanted to overtake Moses. Right? Same thing can be said for Miriam and Aaron. Right? Because they got a line too. <laughs> Again, that's pride causing them to do that. Right? So, you got faith and no obedience and sometimes they had in Old Testament obedience and no faith. And I read it a few weeks ago, Hosea chapter 6. Well, they were just going through the motions because they were trying to obey in the sacrifices, but they didn't have faith in God. <laughs> and you know what? These are all things because I, I, I tell people all the time. See, this is going back to all scriptures. In Romans 15 and 4, it talks about that the, the, the scriptures were written for our benefit, especially the Old Testament, right? Where, you know, because when we look at Israel, you best believe you can look at the church. Same behavior. We may not be as stiff-necked as Israel, but some of the behavior that they displayed in the Old Testament of Israel, the same thing goes on in church today. Right? But do we learn? We may not learn because we don't read that. Because we, we will read the blessing and cursing, but we, we, we want the blessing. Right? We, we want the material things. And see, Paul warns us because he says, most times, actually, you read it in the New Testament, it talks about the Gentile behaviors. Most times, they talk about what? Sexual sins, drunkenness, and sensuality, right? Meaning, seeking after physical, material things. What are we doing in church today? Right? When we watch some of these men, and you know, I, I, I watched another, this one, I watched on my own, a documentary of a particular uh, mega church pastor. And the unfortunate, and it's probably they probably all started like that. He started out basically as a holiness preacher, this particular person. But then somebody got a hold of him. 
and took him under his wing, and then all of a sudden he started to change. And then guess what he started to change? His doctrine started to change. Right now, he had, here's the thing, he had five different pastors that were in the background, backing him, giving him money into the church. So his church went from, I think, 12 people to, I want to say, 2,500 in a year. And they were giving away thousands of dollars. Right? And people would say, hey, that's a good man. But his doctrine was off. Right? Because what they do sometimes, if you're not careful, is they come in, they'll find minister. It doesn't have to be a young minister. They'll find somebody and they'll try to take them under their wing. And guess what? The money's being funneled back to them. But that's not of God. Somebody tried to do that with us. Right? What? I said no. <laughs> Try to do that with us because he he wanted to. Uh, so and I had no doubt he would uh, send us people and stuff like that, but we don't compromise, right? Because I guess ultimately I would have to stand before God in judgment in that, right? So it's not about the amount of people. It's not about numbers, you know. And sometimes we got to be honest. Well, why do we want people here, the church, to grow? Do we want them because? We want them to get learn about Jesus and the truth of the word. Or do we want them just to socialize? Right? Because you have churches that just socialize. And on the flip side, oh, why don't we want the church to grow? Because <laughs> I kind of want to be, you know, I'm not really talkative to people, so I like it small. Right? <laughs> so we, you know, it's both sides. We, we, we have to be balanced, but ultimately we have to be obedient to the Lord. Uh, let me uh, let's turn to First uh, Timothy, First Timothy, and then we'll let me go through this. So Timothy is the opposite of Apollos. Where we get the impression Apollos is talkative, Joan, you you appreciate Timothy. Timothy's kind of reserved. <laughs> that's why that's why I love reading First and Second Timothy because it, it's an encouragement, right? Because sometimes people will make um, quiet people feel, oh, you're not doing right, you're not doing it. But Timothy needed some encouragement here, right? And Paul's going to provide some encouragement to him in his letters. And I can understand why, because look whose shoes he had to fill. The Apostle Paul. Right? We could say, oh, well, that'll be easy because you know, born again, I got the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's big shoes to fill. <laughs> Right? For us that watch sports, we know when you have a, a legend of a coach, the coach that follows them is not going to end well. Right? Because they're not going to duplicate. Right? So some of that might have been in Timothy's mind. Right? So, alright. Verse 3. Oh, I didn't say the first chapter. I'm sorry. Y'all should have known that. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, but you know, Paul... So I talked about before how Paul left, um, had people in Ephesus. Ephesus saw, you know, John was there. Um, Aquila and Priscilla, we read about Apollos. Paul passed there for two and a half to three years, right? So now he leaves Timothy there, right? He, he, he's encouraging Timothy to be there. Why? Let's start at verse three. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach what? No other doctrine. 
Right? So in other words, that word charge, I think the Amplifier has instruct. Right? That you teach no other doctrine. Well, why would Paul need to tell him? Because in Acts chapter 20, Paul prophesied when he calls the elders of Ephesus to see him right when he's going to Jerusalem and he's making his final round, getting ready to get arrested. He says, some of you are going to draw people, not necessarily to Jesus, but to yourselves. Right? So he's leaving Timothy there. He has Timothy there to guard against that. Well, guess what? We should all be Timothys. Right? Now, it doesn't mean we have to go around telling everybody, oh, you're a false teacher, false, false teacher. All right? So Jude tells us to what? Contend for the faith. Contending for the faith doesn't mean, again, uh, 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 no, contending for the faith means what? We live in obedience. We walk in obedience. We don't compromise when other people are telling us to compromise or they're compromised. We don't compromise. That's contending for the faith too. Right? So we don't always have to get into an argument with somebody. All right. So let's keep going. I'm going to finish this up. Uh, what was that? Uh, four. Nor give he to fables and endless genealogy which causes disputes rather than what? Godly edification which is in faith. So, in other words, the godly edification. So we don't get into what? Fables and endless genealogy. So what is fable? Fables are narratives, story, invention of falsehoods. That takes place in the church too. Right? I know it's hard to believe Christians lie. Christians lie behind the pulpit. Right? But, what should be coming from behind the pulpit? Things that lead to godly edification. So if it doesn't lead to godly edification, we should not be teaching or talking about it. Right? This again is part of our job, our duties in contending for the faith. Right? It should lead to godly edification. Alright, let's keep going. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and from sincere faith. So we should be motivated by love in our teachings. So if we're motivated by love, by our teachings, now guess what? We're going to give the truth. We're not going to take our ears like the preacher I told you at the beginning from the video. Because people will say, well, even when I talked about the one that had the backing, because he gives that, oh, he just loves people. No, you don't love people if you don't give them the truth. Because they're going to continue to stay in their mess. Right? But if we love them, we're going to give them the truth. That's what Paul did. He gave him the truth. But he gave him the truth through the scriptures. Right? Alright? From which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. That word idle talk means empty talk. So that means some of the followers, some of them were following. And even if we go to Acts, uh, we're not going to go there, but Acts 19, some of them followed Paul initially, but then he turned on them. <laughs> they went back to how they used to be. Right, so all this was taking place in Ephesus. All, all that demonic activity was going on. But here's the job that Timothy was responsible for. Making sure that no false teaching was going there. That the, the teaching was going to produce godly edification and things like that. Alright, last verse. I'm going to close after this. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. So the problem people in Ephesus did not even understand the implications of their own teaching. Right? So we have to be on guard. We have to be careful. And we have to walk in a new man. And we'll get into that next week.
because it is vital as us as believers that we no longer walk according to the deeds of the flesh, right? And, you know, sometimes we just think the deeds of the flesh is just going out there, you know, getting drunk, committing sexual sins. No, there's other deeds of the flesh. Scriptures tell us coarse joking is a sin, right? We, we, don't, we don't even do that. We don't even entertain that, right? So when we're around people that are doing it, maybe we should walk away. Right, because we don't want that to get into our spirit. Right, so, but it goes back to what I said, even from Luke 13, that we what strive, we strive. It, it, it's daily, and I can't harp enough that we have to stay in the Word, read the Word, eat the Word, sleep with the Word, because it is vital, especially in these last days. Especially in these last days, a lot of deception going on. And that's a whole nother teaching, but it's designed to be that way in these end times. Deception and the unfortunate part, Christians are being deceived left and right. But when we understand the scriptures and we understand the word, we won't be deceived. Amen. 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 It's not right now. Let's bow our heads. Thank you.